Check out Macy's Cyber Monday specials now while supplies last for great savings on holiday gift ideas like designer names you know they'll love. Now 40 to 60% off. And women's boots and shoes to finish the look 50 to 60% off. And upgrade your bedroom for cooler nights with cozy flannel bedding quilts and accessories from Martha Stewart Collection now 65% off. Plus, Macy Star Rewards members earn on every purchase except gift cards, services, and fees. Savings off sale and clearance prices. Exclusions apply. Everyone, what's going on? Welcome back to episode 153. Well, I guess not welcome back. This is the first time you're hearing episode 153 of the Retro Gamers podcast. Larry here, and I'm joined by a different Anthony, uh, Anthony Rippo. Normally, the other half of the Retro Gamers podcast is actually uh, out of commission for a moment. Uh, so definitely we wish um, speedy recovery for Anthony. Everything's okay. Everything was planned. Don't worry. But we do wish him speedy recovery. But in the meantime, I have another Anthony, another Anthony I've known just as long as the first Anthony. And welcome back to the Retro Gamers. Yes, it is the host of the Yin and the Yang podcast, Anthony Chu. Anthony, welcome. Hey, thank you so much for having me here. And uh, first and foremost, before we begin today, as uh, just to go by what you just said uh, just now, we do wish uh, Anthony a huge uh, hello, uh, speedy recovery. Hope you're doing well, buddy, and uh, we want you back here soon. Yes, absolutely. And uh, in the meantime, though, uh, Ant, what's going on uh, with yourself? Um, you know, tell the world uh, who you are, what you're all about, and uh, where they can find your your show. So basically, the Getting the Ant podcast uh, is about martial arts, health, fitness, motivation, and pretty much we drop every Friday. Uh, we are considering moving into a different time slot, but right now, Friday it is. And uh, you can catch us on uh, Facebook with uh, just type in Yin and Yang Podcast on the search. And, um, you know, you enter our world where we um, we serve up a pretty good show, pretty good plethora of everything that uh, that, you know, is contact sports, martial arts related and things like that. So uh, at this present moment, you know, I'm just doing really well. I just uh, went to the doctor's. Uh, got, got my typical, I do two physicals a year. So came back with a clean bill of health actually. And, uh, I'm feeling great, man. All right. Excellent. You know? That, that is what we ask for that. You're doing good. You're doing a hundred percent and appreciate uh, it. Sounds, sounds good here. Uh, all right. Yeah. Definitely check out the in and the Yang podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts and make sure you give them, uh, well, give us, I'm on the show too. I don't know why I'm talking like, you know, it's, it's part of the more family of podcasts. So, um, yeah, definitely check them out. Give them a five star, a thumbs up, a like, whatever you listen to. Uh, but today's a big one. And today we have a big milestone as uh, we're going to be celebrating the 130th. That is correct, folks. 130th anniversary of Nintendo. Okay, so for someone who is a gamer, such as myself, but for a lot of people who are not diehard gamers... I'm sure a lot of you right now that are listening are probably getting out your calculators or your math books or whatever you're doing. And what you're trying to figure out is if Nintendo is 130 years old um, or the 130th anniversary, if you go by an anniversary as each year, 
that means that Nintendo goes back to the 1890s? September, or how does that calculate? Because se- September 23rd, 1889. Is really? When it started. How? Yep, absolutely. It started as a playing card company in 1889, based out oh, of Kyoto, wow. Kyoto, Japan. Uh, they marketed what was called Hanafuda cards, uh, Japanese cards. I think they were used for a multitude of different types of card games. Um, and, and then it basically, uh, merged, uh, with their, um, I guess you can call Nintendo, like kind of became itself in 1933. Uh, in 1951, it changed its name to Nintendo Playing Card Company Limited and actually continues to, to they actually, uh, interesting enough, continue to make playing cards in Japan. They have their own tournament. Uh, it's a game called Contract Bridge Tournament. Uh, it's called the Nintendo Cup. And here's, here's a fun fact. And do you know what Nintendo actually can tra- the word Nintendo translates into? No, not at all. Leave luck to heaven. Wow. Or also uh, the Temple of Free Hanafuda. Well, I mean, considering and, – and it makes sense because considering the fact that the country is a very, very spiritual, very uh, very spiritual country from what I've gathered and, you know, when the one time that I've been there. And uh, Japanese people take that very seriously and with pride. So I, it's – you know, anything that connects you to heaven is actually uh, considered to be – you know, or connects you to the um, – to the gods or something like that, you know, uh, it's considered a very, very powerful piece. So it's really interesting in how, yeah, that really makes a lot of sense. Like I'm really, really learning about the history because, you know, to most viewers, I mean, when you conceptually think about it, most viewers really think of Nintendo as just this one, and I'm talking about outside the United States. Mm -hmm. Most people look upon Nintendo as, you know, something that just came about in the 80s. You know, and and no, and a lot of people who are not from that country of Japan will think that it's from the '80s and that's when it started. But holy smokes, man! It started in the late ninth, late twentieth uh, century. Eighteen. No, I'm sorry, the late nineteenth yeah. century. I'm sorry about that. Um, just yeah, to wow. Talk a little bit more about the history. 1956. The grandson of the founder of the Nintendo Playing Card Company, Hiroshi Yamaguchi. Or Yama, excuse me. Uh, Yamauchi, Yamauchi, uh, came to the U.S. to talk with, at the time, the most dominant playing card manufacturer here in the U.S., United States Playing Card Company, to try and, I guess, merge to get them all together. Uh, they actually acquired the license to use Disney characters on playing cards at mm, that point. Wow. Uh, in 1963, the company was renamed from the Nintendo Playing Card Company Limited to Nintendo Corporation Limited. Mm. Um, here are some other interesting wow. quick facts about now we all know Nintendo with their home consoles have definitely experimented. Uh Virtual Boy, uh the Wii, um, you know, the Switch now. These are basically almost like experiments. But Ant, listen to some of these ventures that Nintendo actually dipped their toe into for a little while. Okay. They ran a taxi company. For a short oh, time. Oh, wow. That's insane. Called Daya. Uh, it was actually successful at first, but then the old labor union kicked in and uh, kind of ran them out of business. Oh, jeez. Well, that, that, yeah, that ends things. They started a TV network. Nintendo started a food company selling instant rice. 
And what? Of, and of course, one of the most famous ones, they had a love hotel chain. You know, that does not surprise me in so, the slightest. I mean, we're talking like hourly. So. <laughs> mm. um, wow. Yeah. And then 1960s. That is just unbelievable. It's, cra- it's crazy how much Nintendo has dipped in. And this is even before getting to the, the, um, the electronics and everything like that. In 1966, Nintendo moved uh, into the toy industry with the Ultra Hand, which was like kind of like a, like one of those. I remember like in Who Framed Roger Rabbit, the um, the glove, the Extendo glove. Yes, I remember that. Something yes. like that. It was called the Ultra Hand. Um, they also made like uh, love testers, like you see in a bar or something like that, and some interesting light gun games. So. In the 60s, the late 60s, they started experimenting and started getting into uh, gaming, video game, basically. Um, they really produced a lot of light gun games, which is interesting because when you look at the original NES and the Zapper games on NES, because they had Nintendo had made actual uh, laser clay shooting systems, a light gun game, such as kind of like uh, along the lines of Wild Gunman. And then these were translated into uh, games on the Nintendo. Well, you know, you got to give them credit for really innovating a lot. I mean, no other company has really tried to even outdo them or to try to even compete with them on a level of creating, let's say, a glove. Creating, let's say, like a, a, a pad that you could literally step on and, and do track and field on or – you know, a, a lot of these things that are like motion simulated, you know, joysticks and things like that. I, I mean, no other, at least to my knowledge, no other company has really even tried to to either compete with that or outdo it. But they will see what, what Nintendo can do. Nintendo, in, in some senses, to me, is kind of like a lab rat, right, for video games. Because if you look at it this way, they put themselves out there. Like they're they're the testing dummies or they're they're the you know are the lab rats and then when people see what they can do all of a sudden now you have imitators you have things that will come close to it and and all that so I mean but still it, it just whomever is part of that creative team or division holy smokes like you got to really give them a lot of credit yeah no Nintendo wasn't scared to step into. The feel, especially a little bit of the unknown, because in 1977, June 1st of 1977, Nintendo released its first home console, the Color TV Game 6. When uh, is this again? This was June 1 of 77. Wow. So wow. the Color TV Game 6, which was followed by the Color TV Game 15, followed by the Color TV Game Racing 112. The Call of TV game Block Breaker, and finally the Computer TV game. So 77 is when Nintendo officially started that almost like that first generation console, if you will. Um, and like a lot of consoles back in the late 70s, like the console itself was a dedicated system for games. Uh, the Call of TV game six had light tennis, which is basically Pong, uh, hockey and volleyball. And each one can be played either a singles or two-player game. Okay. Uh, TV game 15 kind of branched out a little bit. Um, hockey. Uh, what other games did they have on there? Like in a few versions of like ping pong and stuff like that. Uh, tennis penalty shootout was the hockey. 
Um, so a racing game. So this color TV game, and I've seen them every now and again. Um, the color TV game, this is what Nintendo got into the system. And just to show, the color TV game series has the highest sales figures of all the first generation video game consoles. Hmm. So Nintendo right off the bat knew what they were doing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it, it's it's crazy how if you look at and you could put Nintendo up right with a lot of innovative products that in that start off virtually as something that's they're not known for today and they're looked upon back in the day as I mean they start off as playing cards. You yeah. know, who would have ever thought in this world, you know, that they would they would become like possibly the number one video game producing company in, in, in the world for households. And yet, I mean, you have like a lot of a lot of companies out there that don't even start off with what they originally intended to be, you know, and mm-hmm. you could definitely put Nintendo there. By the way, uh, for all of you sports fans out there, um, is it true? Now, I don't know how true this is, OK, because I don't I'm not I don't follow baseball. But is it true that the Nintendo company actually owns or was a majority owner of the Seattle Mariners baseball team? Yeah, I believe in 2016 they sold off majority of their shares, but they did. They had, I think, a 55% uh, ownership in the Mariners. Oh, get out of here. So they did, really? yeah. They were, yep. Which is probably why it made it easy for them to get, um, like, one of the greatest baseball games, in my opinion, of all time on the Super Nintendo. Ken Griffey Jr. presents Major League Baseball. Ah, that makes sense. I was going to say, why Ken Griffey of all people? You know what I mean? Well, I mean, Griffey is an amazing player. Oh, he's outstanding, legendary player. But then at the same time, I did not realize that they owned uh, or the majority owner of the Seattle Mariners baseball team. And I can also, in the opposite end of the spectrum, understand why they dropped their shares. Because the Seattle Mariners, from what I understand, are... Uh, one of the very few baseball teams who have never seen a World Series before. Um, I don't think so. I'm not 100% they, I don't sure think on they've that. ever been, and they've never won either. Uh, yeah, that, the possible. Um, but I do know that they sold, and maybe in a, in a reason why they did this, Nintendo sold their stock to, I don't have the gentleman's name, but they sold their stock to a leading uh, like mobile, I think a mobile gaming company or something like that. Uh-huh. And 2016 was also the first time we saw Nintendo produce a game for the mobile phone, Super Mario Run. Okay. So that may that may have something to do with it, hand in hand. Oh. oh, oh. So with the so with the color TV game, Nintendo's already now in the households, getting into the households. And around this time, the late 70s, a man, a student of uh, product development who was um tasked to create the casings for some of the TV uh, color TV game consoles. This gentleman is now synonymous with Nintendo, because I'm talking about Shigeru Miyamoto was hired by Nintendo in the late 70s, and he started, the man created the most iconic games ever, Super Mario Brothers, Legend of Zelda, and he was hired to create casings for the video game consoles. Wow. That's wild, man. You know what? I think that one of the formulas that makes Nintendo so good is that you actually have people who are very passionate about the product, who are probably video gamers themselves. I mean, I think that once, you know, it's just like kind of like in in a lot of businesses that fail, you know, 
what what do you what's the secret ingredient to to a failing you know business venture? Add suits. You know, I mean, in a sense that, like, when you have people who don't understand the operation, who don't understand the product, and who don't understand exactly what, you know, they don't have passion for it or what's being marketed, it's a it's a recipe for disaster. And, and yet, in reality, when you look at, you know, people who work for Nintendo or, or you know, or creative for them are definitely passionate gamers. You could tell almost right away. Now, how they got their ideas is unreal to me. Absolutely unreal to me. You know? It takes some smart people to come up with some of this stuff. I mean, just to come up with something as simple as it appears today, like Super Mario Brothers. How do you come up with something like that, you know? Well, that's what Miyamoto was was fantastic about, just his his imagination. You know, Zelda, he created Zelda for his love of just running around in the fields of wherever he grew up in Japan. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, Discovery. Um... You know, and and that's what kind of sparked his interest, and that's what led us to the Legend of Zelda, which even to today, in 2019, everyone I know with a Switch is all about the Legend of Zelda: Link's Awakening right now. Even my myself played it for about an hour before we started recording. Well, there you go. I so. mean, you know, you have people cosplaying Zelda. You have people, you know, who are still there are fan pages dedicated to it. There's cult followings. I think that I have a friend of mine who goes to San Diego Comic-Con every year, and you'll see tons of people dress up as, you know, as Zelda. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Well, I'll be uh, I'll be reporting from New York Comic-Con, and we'll okay. see uh, what kind of uh, cosplayers. Oh, we'll I'm see. sure there will definitely be. Now, in Nintendo's history, so from 1889 to the late 70s, we'll even go up to 1981. Okay. Okay. A lot happened playing cards, and then actually a lot for a long time, playing cards. They try. Check out Macy's Cyber Monday specials now while supplies last for great savings on holiday gift ideas like designer names you know they'll love. Now 40 to 60% off. And women's boots and shoes to finish the look 50 to 60% off. And upgrade your bedroom for cooler nights with cozy flannel bedding quilts and accessories from Martha Stewart Collection. Now 65% off. Plus, Macy's Star Rewards members earn on every purchase except gift cards, services, and fees. Savings off sale and clearance prices. Exclusions apply. Check out Macy's Cyber Monday specials now while supplies last for great savings on holiday gift ideas like designer names you know they'll love. Now 40 to 60% off. And women's boots and shoes to finish the look 50 to 60% off. And upgrade your bedroom for cooler nights with cozy flannel bedding quilts and accessories from Martha Stewart Collection. Now 65% off. Plus, Macy's Star Rewards members earn on every purchase except gift cards, services, and fees. Savings off sale and clearance prices. Exclusions apply. Had to hand some other ventures in the 60s, and then it was the late 70s. So almost, what, 90 years at this point almost? It took them to finally get to what's making their bread and butter to this day. And then, like, it, it has to, it goes to show just what technology does, where you have all this history, but it's not really until the last almost 40 years is when all of a sudden the technology blows up because Nintendo kicks it into high gear and they start spitting out some of the best home consoles and one or two not so good and maybe one dud. But, you know, Nintendo, you know, they they go full force at this point, starting in 81 with, I mean, they get into the arcade industry in, in the mid to late 70s, but their real first hit as far as an arcade, and at least here in the U.S., 
was 1981, and the name of the game was Donkey Kong. Mm-hmm. Absolute instant classic when you look at Donkey Kong. Created I mean, by Miyamoto. Right. Well, that another fantastic creation. <clears throat> and I think that the reason why Nintendo was such a hit in the United States is because you have to understand that the way life was at that point was that you know, in the video gaming world I'm talking about with life, is that it's so simple. It's so basic. There isn't, I mean, you know, there's no 8-bit graphics or anything like that. I mean, you're playing, uh, I mean, you're playing Atari, so you have something like Pole Position, you know, you have, uh, yeah, I'm a great game, but, you know, you also have very simple things like Pong, Pac-Man, and then all of a sudden, you know, you, you have this massive burst of something that people have never seen before. And it goes to an old saying, which is, you know, if you want the world to take notice, you got to do something that people have never seen before or heard of before. And I mean, also, you know, I mean, I'm a 76 baby. okay? so I mean, in 1981, I was only, what, five years old at most. But around the, the early to mid 80s, I remember I went with my cousins to the arcade and my parents to the arcade. And you really had to go out of your house into a pizza place, into a a deli, what we now know as a deli, or they used to have these uh, stores called Optimo or Tiamo, where it's just a general (laughs) store from the neighborhood, and and they were the only ones who had video games. And you had to put quarters upon quarters on the screen to say how many games you can play, and you had to wait your turn. So there were people who were waiting forever. And then all of a sudden, Nintendo just burst. Literally, they didn't even knock on the door in America. They kicked the door down. You know, Donkey Kong was was a huge hit. Uh, Fun fact, Dan, do you know what licensed character was originally supposed to be Donkey Kong? King Kong? Popeye. (laughs) Popeye, really? Donkey Kong was supposed to be a Popeye game. No way, yeah. really. And they just somehow Popeye. lost the rights somewhere. You know, I can kind of see that. Nope. I can really kind of, well, a strong man, right? Or a strong beast, you know, who's doing what he's doing, throwing Ludo barrels down. Versus Popeye, trying to save olive oil. But think about this. Just think about the impact. This And look, I love Popeye. Popeye is my first word. But okay, if Donkey Kong was Popeye, then would we have ever gotten... Mario, because Mario basically debuted in Donkey Kong. Hmm. It all connects, doesn't it? Because now you have one after the other. Wow. Sounds interesting. Also, what's interesting as well is this was, again, in the late 70s, early 80s. uh, So Nintendo really hasn't... They did the TV, uh, the color TV games, but we haven't gotten to the Famicom yet, because that predates the NES. But now we're seeing a lot of licensing. For those of you... um, who, who may always wonder, there are Mario Brothers games, Donkey Kong, on other consoles like the Atari, the Intellivision, ColecoVision. So it was a licensing thing for a little while. Like when I remember, like I knew if Donkey Kong was on everything, but I didn't realize Mario, the original Mario Brothers arcade, I hate that game, but the original Mario Brothers arcade is available on, actually I have it on, uh, uh, I think on 2600. That does not – I have no doubt about that. It's weird. It's weird to mm-hmm. see that. Okay. Um, and then Nintendo goes, you know what? Let's 
try our hands now back into the gaming console itself. And how much do you remember the Game & Watches? Oh, man. I remember some of it. I don't remember a whole hell of a lot about it. I mean, it is. it was awesome, though, when it first came out. I remember everybody wanted a piece of that. Game, game Watch was very simple. In fact, the games are available on the uh, Game Boy, Game Boy Advance, the DS. Uh, you can download them as well, I believe, on the Virtual Console. Oh, can console, you really? On okay. the Wii U. Yep. Uh, the Game & Watch was basically just one screen, LCD. The name tells you. It's like it's like going into the movies and getting ready to watch Snakes on a Plane. What is this movie about? Snakes on a Plane. So Game & Watch is exactly what it is. It was a game, and when you weren't playing it, it was your watch. Well, I mean, you didn't, well, some you were able to wear on your wrist, but otherwise it was just your clock and you could set an alarm and everything on it. And the Game & Watch is responsible because Nintendo created and designed our modern day cross pad, our directional pad that we know and love today. Well, let me ask you this. I mean, do you remember, do you recall the prices of it? Ooh, price why I don't remember. I mean, I was... I was born in 1980, so all this stuff my parents were getting. So I, I couldn't tell you what the market oh, wow. value at the time was. I they and I, don't, I only had like one or two Game and Watches. They ever keep it? No, no. This oh please, my mother. And I know she's listening, but my mother <laughs> has made me get rid of a lot of stuff when oh, I was young. I um moving on to the Super Nintendo. I remember she was like, and God bless her. She she meant well. She was like, well, you don't need your Nintendo anymore. You have a Super Nintendo. So guess who sold no. off all, most of his NES games? Oh, jeez. And don't even get me started on the old six-inch WWE figures. Those old plastic ones? I remember those. I had, like, every one of them except for Ricky Steamboat. So, yeah, yeah and then now, look at, by the looks of your studio, you look like you got all your games back. Uh, most of them. I mean, that was... Basically, the case. I, I have to do very something. Very nice. Very nice. So, um, so the game and watch comes into play. Great portable gaming, and then Nintendo goes, "Let's do it." You know. Now, first of all, let's before that, let's think about the world right now as far as the gaming in the early uh, early eighties. You know, we're going through the the video game crash at this time, which Atari caused and ET caused with this oversaturation. Um, you know, the, the, the infamous, uh, ET video game that was made in like, what, five months. And most of them were buried in a desert out in New Mexico. Wow. And, and the whole industry, the whole gaming industry just collapsed. And, you know, for a while, there really wasn't anything going on. And like a phoenix rising out of the ashes, Nintendo's like, F you, Atari. You know, this guy goes off and creates Chuck E. Cheese. We're going to go and we're going to create, you know, the, 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 one of the biggest, most influential video game systems of all time. And we're going to start over in Japan with the family computer, which we all know as the Famicom. So, I mean, but then, but let me ask you this, though. I'm sure that in Japan, before the Famicom came along, I am guessing for sure that. Um, well, the crash that, was more here, right? But yeah. what I'm saying is that I'm sure that what now was the video gaming market still powerful in Japan as it is. Japan, it, it pretty much always has. Uh, as far as I know, I never heard, uh, and Anthony's read more into this. Mm -hmm. um, but as far as I know, it's never they never really lost their luster 
of gaming. In fact, we talked years ago. Um, I don't even know if the episode's still available at this point. But, uh, you know, we talked about how um, Japan really does hold on to their system. The Famicom ran from, like, 83 to the early 2000s. Oh, wow. And we're talking, again, the Famicom, the 8-bit original system. That's a long time. They were putting out games when the GameCube was out over here. So wow. Um, but the Famicom makes its way into the homes in 1983 in Japan. In 1985, we get a much straight uh, forward uh, gray and black box, which we know as the Nintendo Entertainment System, the NES. If you call it NES, I'm gonna have to hurt you. Do you feel that? Okay. Do you feel that the the original NES? Do you feel that um, it's it was a watered down version sent to America, or do you think that, in your humble opinion, they should have just sent a Famicom? Well, to be I mean, to be honest with you, even looking back on it, and you know, look, hindsight's twenty twenty. And, and this is for the listeners who don't know much about the Famicom. Yeah, you know, is what the, I'm saying the Famicom admittedly did have a better sound system, had a better sound okay. chip, uh, oh, slightly really? better okay. graphics. Yep, slightly better graphics. Uh, case in point, Contra. My favorite game on the NES. We got a great get Contra, fantastic game here in the in the U.S. But in Japan, there's cutscenes, there's an animated um, uh, title screen for Contra. So there was definitely more put into these Japanese games. Now at the time, I didn't even know a Famicom existed. Okay. Know, I had no idea of this. Neither did I. Yeah, because I mean, you know, there's no publicity, there's no promotion or advertising in the United States. Yeah, right. So, so, um, I mean, when you, again, you look back on it, all right, fine. The Famicom had a few more bells and whistles, but overall it's about the gameplay and let's face facts. Right, there right. are gems on the NES. Mm-hmm. I mean, what can, what can you, did you have an NES, like an actual NES? So the thing is I had to study really hard to get that. And, uh, my father, I mean, at that time, you know, a hundred dollars, was a hundred, hundred fifty dollars or something Maybe like that? A more than that, yeah. Was considered a lot of money at that time. Maybe it was like a hundred, two hundred dollars for a gaming system. Was considered a lot. And my father, you know, we were doing better in the house, but I mean, still, uh, it was one hundred eighty dollars. The deluxe one hundred eighty. Okay, so that's released, a lot yeah. of money, right? And then my father bought the most basic set that we had to build upon that. So I saved up allowance money. Um, my poor brother, I still owe him $20 to this day because <laughs> we, we wanted to get the gun control. Oh, yes, the, the zapper. Right, the gun yep. control concept, the zapper, yep. I mean, so a lot of that, I mean, to be very honest with you, you know, it, it's the gems on NES was unreal, just absolutely unreal. You can literally go, and I'll tell you one thing, okay? My nephew is, uh, my nephew is 20 years old. He can play the daylights out of the most complex games that you see today, Call of Duty, Halo, uh, anything that's out that's popular. He can beat that those games in it, probably a few days within a, a week, right? Yet I had him play uh, something like Tecmo World Wrestling or I had him play something like uh, like Double Dribble or I had him play something Double like Mike Tyson's Punch-Up. He yes. couldn't do it. He could not do it. He couldn't get past the second level. There is a video online of like yep. young kids trying to play like a Game Boy or something like that. Yeah. And they're completely yeah. confused. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and they have no idea what to do. They have no, I mean, you know, 
we we lived through an amazing time, you know, with NES games. And I mean, oh, man. Okay, well, let me ask you this. On that note, what are – do you have a top five you can think of of the of the five best games that, that the NES has come out with? Like personally or – all right. I mean personally, personally. I'll give you the most normal scenario. You're stranded in a desert island. You have an NES. You have a TV. You have a zapper to you my head. Only five games. Whatever accessories you want. <laughs> Five games you could play for the rest of the time that you're stranded on this island for an indefinite amount of time. What would you choose? I mean, I'm going to go Super Mario Brothers 3. Okay. I'll go OG Super Mario Brothers. Yep. Uh, two games that I know a lot of people, some people can be like, huh? Uh, City Connection. Okay. Love that game. Uh, Solomon's Key. Wow. Yes. That uh, I mean, one underrated secret and absolute lost treasure uh and and pro wrestling really because to this day pro wrestling is the only wrestling game i know with a cameraman that is true good (laughs) point so some quick stats here on the nes um well first of all you were talking about how if we got a watered down version of the famicom here's the lifespan the famicom ran from 83 to 2003 the nes ran from 85 to 95 so the Famicom wow. almost doubled up the NES. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. So units sold, uh, 34 million units were sold in the U.S., 19.35 million units sold in Japan. Um, the top three best-selling games for the NES, goes without saying, but not in order, are the three original Super Mario Brothers. The original Super Mario Brothers, 40.24 million. Super Mario Brothers 3 sold 18 million as of July 27th of 2008. Um, And Super Mario Brothers 2 comes in at 10 million. And here's an interesting fact, and this is weird. So, okay, Famicom comes out July of 83 in Japan. North America gets, we get the NES October of 85. Europe gets it, Europe and, and I'm guessing that's Australia, uh, yeah, Europe and Australia get it in okay. 86, 87. Right. Brazil gets the NES in 93. Oh, my God. That's, Two years before the ending of it? That's weird. Wow. Good grief. Uh, and, of course, you know, on our end here, we didn't have too many add-ons with the NES. We had the Zapper, like you mentioned, which was awesome. Uh, you basically go up right to the screen. And you, just <laughs> you just zap away. Really, really cheap. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Zach, of course you do. (laughs) But um, we have four-player adapters and stuff. But the Famicom, this is where I'm a little jealous of the Famicom. You know, the Famicom gets the disk system, which was, here, I'm going to show it. um, I know everyone else at home has seen something like this, but I have one one disk system game. Anthony actually has the disk system and games. Um, Some NES games came on floppies, these rigid floppies. Hmm. Uh, this is this is a copy of Super Mario Brothers. This is not a copy of Super Mario Brothers Two. What is this? Oh, it's guess, something. Is that Super Mario Brothers Two? I think this is pro wrestling. Wait a minute. Oh, I'm gonna speak to Ant about this. I think I got a Somebody wrong. Somebody sell you a bill of goods? I don't know. I gotta talk to Anthony. Um, so wow. you know, uh, Metroid came on it. Uh, Castlevania came on these carts. You were able to save, which was something new back then. 
So, uh, so they got that. They got online. The Famicom went online. People bet on horse races online oh, on the Famicom. Geez. Oh, jeez. And that was considered the third iteration of the system. Um, of course, before we move forward, I want to mention one of uh, what I always thought was uh, a fun story. Uh, Universal City Studios versus Nintendo in a court of law over trademark infringement of Donkey Kong, where Donkey Kong may have been a little bit too close to King Kong. Check out Macy's Cyber Monday specials now while supplies last for great savings on holiday gift ideas like designer names you know they'll love. Now 40 to 60% off. And women's boots and shoes to finish the look 50 to 60% off. And upgrade your bedroom for cooler nights with cozy flannel bedding quilts and accessories from Martha Stewart Collection. Now 65% off. Plus, Macy's Star Rewards members earn on every purchase except gift cards, services, and fees. Savings off sale and clearance prices. Exclusions apply. Check out Macy's Cyber Monday specials now while supplies last for great savings on holiday gift ideas like designer names you know they'll love. Now 40 to 60% off. And women's boots and shoes to finish the look 50 to 60% off. And upgrade your bedroom for cooler nights with cozy flannel bedding quilts and accessories from Martha Stewart Collection. Now 65% off. Plus, Macy's Star Rewards members earn on every purchase except gift cards, services, and fees. Savings off sale and clearance prices. Exclusions apply. No kidding. Meanwhile, Universal was in a battle with RKO General, who owned the rights to King Kong. So I don't know so, what Universal was doing. So who won? It was, what's Nintendo. the to that? Nintendo, Nintendo won. Yeah, wow. it was, uh, I think Universal wow. City Studios uh, lost uh, bad faith. Oh, holy smokes. Because they technically didn't own King Kong. Wow. And I think there was a way to confuse King Kong and Donkey Kong. So, Wow. So it was a fun little story. That is unbelievable. As well, we just talked about it a couple weeks ago. Um, nineteen eighty nine saw the inter- excuse me, nineteen eighty eight in Japan, eighty nine here in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm sorry, no, eighty nine both in Japan in the U.S. I apologize. Uh, saw the Game Boy, which is one of the biggest handheld systems, selling systems, successful systems of all time. One word. Tetris. Yes, that was the packing game. That was a huge, huge um, gamble. You would think Nintendo's going to pack in a Mario game. Right, exactly. But no, they they packed in Tetris, which helped both Game Boy and helped Tetris. Right, exactly. Personally, Tetris was one of those games where it really made you think, you know, you had to be very fast, reactive. Well, it's scientifically I mean, proven. Tet- it's called the Tetris effect. People who play Tetris, they just kind of see Tetris in their lives. Wherever they look, they're putting stuff together. They they see Tetris. Uh, Tetris has been proven to, to, to combat PTSD. Mm. So, you know, it's got some allow, it's got good stuff. Allow me to also say one other thing. Um, there was a st- I'm, I'm going to bring a little bit of the element of the Yin and the Yang podcast over to uh, the retro gamers here. And that is that there was a study done by the American Journal of Medicine that when they looked upon gamers, okay, uh, and they were testing reflexes as well as hand and eye coordination and things like that, video gamers or avid consistent video gamers actually have a 24% more uh, of an accurate focus, 
I, they they, okay. they called it an okay. attention span, as opposed to basically people who are non-video gamers, uh, which I found very interesting. This was a study done that was uh, done a couple of years ago, uh, especially because they were looking at hand-eye coordination, how the body reacts to it, your blood pressure, you know what uh, your stress level is, and things like that. That was actually discovered by accident. It was actually a bonus from what they were they were uh, studying up on. And so I guess it is good to be a video gamer, you know? Absolutely, brother. Yep. So, uh, yeah, so the Game Boy, just, I mean, just <clears throat> home run, home run. So let's go uh, 89 to 95. Well, really, the next iteration, uh, the fourth generation at this point. So Nintendo's trucking along, dominating the 8-bit. And then they go, you know what? Let's double this bad boy. And this is when we see the Super NES come out here in North America. Of course, the Super Famicom came out in November of 1990. Super NES in August of 91. Let me ask you a question. And and this is coming from a historian's point of view, right? Take out the, uh, the historian within you. And let me ask you this. Do you feel... That with Nintendo having a good run the way it did, was the Super NES, not talking about Japan, not talking about the Super Famicom, I'm talking about the Super NES, was it necessary in this country? Because they had a pretty good run at that point. They were still chucking along. Well, yeah. Um, you know, definitely. It was just the next phase, the next iteration. Well, um, meaning, do you think that they introduced it and, uh, and promoted it at the right time? I think so, yeah. Because around that time, Genesis came out in 89. So Nintendo because, was already behind the ball as far as timing with a 16. Oh, okay, okay. Um, you right, had TurboGrafx. Right, right. TurboGrafx 16 right. was already Turbo out. TurboGrafx 16, yes, exactly. Uh, which wasn't that much of a what? fighter. Well, but. I, I will say this, though. But the Nintendo Entertainment System, the original NES, was kind of like, honest to God, it was like the Beatles of... <laughs> Of, no, it really – when you really think about it, I know it's a very horrible comparative, but when you really think about it, you know, America did not ha- – was reeling over the loss of a lot of great American musicians at the time and the Beatles filled that empty gap that a lot of people were yearning for. Now, in the video game world, uh, parallel, you know, you have, uh, as you said, a downtime, you know, or a very tough time in in the moment of video games – in, in the 80s, and here comes the Nintendo Nintendo Entertainment System, and it changes everything. It's like the Beatles of, you know, I can of see video that. gaming. I can see what you know? you're talking and, about. And, right. And then now you have the Super Nintendo, right? And the Super Nintendo really, really ups the ante. I mean, oh, man. The classic games that came out of that was just unbelievable. Oh, forget about it. Super Mario World, Link to the Past. F-Zero, Super Mario Kart. F-Zero and Super Mario Kart were my two favorite games. <laughs> oh, uh, Quick stats here on the Super NES. Um, Ken, November 21st, 1990 in Japan. August 23rd, 91 in North America. Uh, sold for $200 initially. Um, ran from 1990 to 2003, basically. North America sold 23.35 million units. Japan, 17.17 million. Uh, best-selling games, Super Mario World, Donkey Kong Country, Super Mario Kart, and 
Now, hold on. Those three games I just mentioned were the pack-ins. Remember, games, systems used to come with a pack-in game. So as soon as you hooked up the system, you had a game to play. Right, exactly. To be fair, you know, that boosted the sales for a lot of games. So Super Mario World, Donkey Kong Country, Super Mario Kart. The game that on its own was ranked number four at 6.3 million was Street Fighter 2. Oh, ho, 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 ho. Wow. That is a crazy stat, brother. <laughs> Oof. So so we're, we're, we're deep into this now. The Super NES is up and running. It's going great. And the creator of the Game Boy goes, you know what? We're going to need something new. And then the Virtual Boy came out. So moving on to the Nintendo 64. Anthony's favorite console, the, the Virtual Boy. Yeah, we, all right, you know what? Let's let's talk about it. And, you know, we've put it to rest. We we've, we've laid it to rest. Um, oh, I'm sorry know. about that. No, 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 it's okay. No, I'm I'm bringing it up. You know, I have you know deep emotions that I go through a lot. Um, you know, witnessing my podcast partner Anthony Rippo destroy a Virtual Boy on camera. Oh, jeez. But again, you gotta sometimes crack uh, 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 break a few eggs. And they tried. You can't fault Nintendo for trying the Virtual Boy. You know, the the, the did true, you were you there? True. Did you try the Virtual Boy? Because I brought it over to Anthony's when I got. I tried it, it once. You did try. I it? didn't like it. Okay, personally. Yeah, I, yeah. I just was not comfortable with it. <laughs> Neither did Anthony. Sorry, I was the only one who liked it. And I lugged that whole thing over, box and all. You. Oh, I'm not saying that I didn't like. like it. I'm just saying that <laughs> I just wasn't very good at it. That's the only difference. So, 1995, the Virtual Boy came out, and basically, uh, 1995, I think the Virtual Boy was gone. So, uh, Super Famicom over in Japan got uh, Satello View, which again was online. You know, Japan had online capabilities way before we did. That I'm very jealous about. Of course. And then let's dip into a 1996, and uh, actually, right around now uh, is when this came out. But then after the Super Nintendo, we dip into the 64-bit graphics. It was all about graphics with the release of the Nintendo 64. Folks, we went from 8 to 16, not to 32, okay, but to 64. (laughs) Think about that, all right? Apparently, they didn't want to waste the the time with the 32-bit. No, no, not at all. We'll call it like an Ultra Nintendo Entertainment System, though the code name was Ultra 64. Um, but the Nintendo 64 comes out, no packing game, because I bought the Nintendo 64, and I had it for about two weeks before getting my first game. Still have mine, brother. <laughs> uh, Nintendo 64 was a literal game changer. Super Mario 64, Legend of Zelda, Ocarina of Time, uh, some great sports games on there. and Mario Kart. Mario Kart. How ad nauseum. And for hours on end, did we play No Mercy, WrestleMania 2000, WCW, WCW versus the World. Exactly. NWO By World way, that's Tour. That's the only game I still have. Oh, really? For the I N64. Think I, have, I think I have World Tour. Wow. I might have World Tour. So We I, spent a lot of hours playing Mario Kart, too. We did. We did. We did. So let me ask you, at this point, Ant, are you buying the systems as they're coming out? Are you... Are you Keeping up with the times, or are like in your household, are you? You know what? I got this system. I got the NES or the Super NES. I don't need an N sixty four. Well, um, right now uh, I have. Are you talking about retro? No, video I meant back systems? then, like in ninety six, oh. like when the N sixty four came out. Were you 
were you out there trying to get an N64? Oh, yeah. Well, because at that point, I had a job. <laughs> That's true. That I helps. had a part-time job. So now at that point, you know, my father basically just looked at me and said, oh, you want $20? Go out and get it yourself. You're on your own. So I said, okay, fine. So that's when I worked in that glorious chocolate factory. Oh, that's when you that? started working there? Right. I, I, <laughs> yes. I worked in a movie theater first, and then I worked in the chocolate factory. Did where you work, le- didn't, you, didn't you work at the old uh, Sheepshead Bay? Yes, that's right. The old <laughs> UA at Sheepshead Bay. Yep. Right? And I, I saved up enough money. It took me uh, about a month to save up for the N64 and three games. Which was pretty awesome. What, what games do you remember? Uh, so it was WCW versus the World. Okay. Uh, Mario Kart, which is why I love those two games so much. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, was it World Tour? Okay. All right. Yeah. Those uh, are the three games I bought. What do you think of the controller? Because when the N64 controller came out, that was a real... You know, going from Nintendo to Super Nintendo, there were four more buttons. Uh, two of which were shoulder buttons. You're like, all right, well, I can get used to this. When the N64 came out, it looked like you can beat somebody up with it and do which serious damage. Which was the damage. best part. Which was <laughs> the best part. Because as a martial art guy, I had to think that would be a great weapon. Plus, you had the wire to basically choke somebody. Exactly. Right? Well, I mean, in all honesty, for me, okay, of all the NES controllers, excuse me, of all the Nintendo controllers, I will say to you that the 64 was the most comfortable. The most uncomfortable was the original Nintendo. Really? Entertainment system. Okay. I felt it was oxy. It was very uncomfortable. It was. I felt yeah. that the N64 contoured your hand, so it felt a lot better. Uh, with the additional buttons, they did have their reason. They did have their purpose to it, which is really cool. Um, the Super Nintendo, I don't like so much. I, okay. I didn't like the controls to it. I just It was still uh, a little better, right? But not, not that great, you know? Fair enough. So there you go. So let's run down this fifth generation system. Uh, the N64, June 23rd, 1996, comes out in Japan. We get actually two, interesting, two copies. September 26th, 1996 was a limited edition N64. And then September 29th, 1996 was the official release. Uh, pretty. So for the fans out there, what's the difference between the two? That is a very good question. I honestly have no idea. Mm, okay. Uh, let's see what we got. But uh, while that's loading, just some other uh, stats here. Um, lifespan of the system, 96 to 02. Um, in America, the N64 sold 20.63 million units. Japan, only 5.54 million. So, Why do you think that is? Is that is it because they already have a lot of competition involved? I, yeah, I think they were just... They, they was just still plugging away with the with the Famicom. Remember, the Famicom didn't stop there till 03. Right, right. So I see. Still have no idea what the special edition N64 was. Um, while you're while you're looking at that info, let me let me point something yeah. out. Okay, um, if you look at Nintendo, I think what one other thing that makes them very successful is the idea that they can make games that appeal to everybody of all ages, of all categories, of all subjects, and things like that. Whereas if you look at video gaming today, you'll notice that a lot of the video games that are made by Sony made by uh, Xbox are very adult-oriented games where there's not really a general scope that is a plethora for everybody. I just feel like at that time, it appealed to all ages. So you didn't have to... Yeah, and it does not today. 
Well, um, because yeah. I mean, obviously, parents I feel like nowadays uh, are a lot more lax about allowing their kids to play violent video games That's or true. to play adult contented video games. Especially when you have the online concept now, which they didn't have back then. So you know, you, you know, you wanted to play with your friend uh, same, simultaneously. You had to go over to their house. Very different world. Now this you know? is true, but Nintendo still is a family. As much as the Switch is getting a lot of M-rated games now, but still very still, family oriented. That Link's Awakening is adorable. So yeah, absolutely. Um. You know, and then after the N64, then we get into more of the modern stuff that everyone's aware of. The GameCube, the Wii, the Wii U, the Nintendo Switch. GameCube almost put Nintendo out of business of the hardware. Why, why is that? The game Now, to me, don't get me wrong, I love the GameCube. I think the GameCube is one of the most underrated systems that there was. But it just didn't sell. Uh, it only sold 12.94 million units, what that which was not a lot. Um, you know, you had those those little mini discs as opposed to a full size CD that games would have come on. You know, and and the button there was about ninety seven different buttons on the controller. Ah. So and the and the GameCube we talked about this recently. The GameCube basically suffered from lack of third party uh, games. Oh, um, even though it lasted about six years, it just it, it, it had trouble. It had trouble getting out of the box. No pun intended, because it's shaped like a cube. But I remember reading articles saying how this may Nintendo may stop making home consoles. Mm, wow. I remember that big time. But luckily by the time the cube came along, I stopped buying uh, cons- Nintendo consoles at that point. Here, put this in perspective. I think the GameCube sold half of what Nintendo forecasted. Mm, so Wow. Holy smokes. But, um, you know, what I want to do is, and everyone knows, I mean, these are some great systems. We can go through the whole series. But let's talk about some of the iconic characters from Nintendo. I'm not going to talk okay. about all of them, but even, let's not even characters as much as series. The Punch-Out series. I'm not even talking, this is even after Mike Tyson. Little Mac, Glass Joe, okay. King Hippo. Um, the Metroid series, Samus, the Metroids themselves, Riley. Um, Legend of Zelda goes without saying. The Mario series goes without saying. F-Zero, Captain Falcon, if you remember him. Uh, Kirby coming into his own. Of course, Donkey Kong. Uh, and, which is a global phenomenon unto itself, Pokemon. Remember, Nintendo made Pokemon. You're absolutely correct. 100%. And that's just really unbelievable to me because... To be very honest with you, nobody really knows that, or they look upon Pokemon as something that's separate, but Pokemon is just, wow. They really came up with a crazy good concept at that point, you know? Yeah, definitely. I, I would say my my favorite character in, in, in the Nintendo world is, there's two characters. It's a tie between Luigi <laughs> and my man Yoshi. Okay. Just there's something about Yoshi. He's cute. I don't know. You I know, mean, uh, Yoshi, those two characters. Yoshi was planned for the original, uh, the original Super Mario Brothers. Really? They just couldn't do it. And, Graphically, they couldn't do it. And listen, I don't care what anybody says out there. In my humble opinion, Mario can jump higher than – than. Uh, I'm sorry. Luigi can jump higher than Mario. <laughs> Depending on the games. Well, if you look at the, the original Super Nintendo. Mario jump uh, lower. We'll have to put that to the test. We may have to put I that th- to the test. 
per- and the perfect test is when you when they jump for the uh, flag. That's Look at how high Luigi gets. That's true. So, um, and then Nintendo had their fair share of um, interesting anecdotes. Like, for example, I remember hearing a story with the N64. If you wanted to publish on the Nintendo 64, you had to pre-purchase like 250,000 cartridges that you would put your game on. And only one company sold those cartridges, and that was Nintendo. So Nintendo was oh. making money whether or not your system sold. Um, wow. They had, wow. you know, they had situations, the whole Tengen series. Uh, if you remember, and if you remember Tengen, we talked about this last episode, had those weird shaped cartridges for the NES. You know, that we don't remember those. You don't remember this? This fought the lock. This actually bypassed the lockout feature on the NES that would prevent basically anyone from making a game on the Nintendo. So Tengen oh, wow. got around that with these games. Uh, oh, they, and by the way, yeah. what do you remember the most about maintaining your Nintendo? Your right, your first Nintendo. You talk about having to blow into the cartridges. Well, there's that. There's <laughs> also one other thing you can do, which is. Take a Q-tip, put rubbing alcohol on the Q-tip, and graze it across the the innards. Of course, that's what you the, should uh, be doing. You cartridge. should never blow into the cartridge. Oh, ask Anthony that question when he comes back. But How many times I've seen him. And then also, if you put the game in a certain way, and then you press power, it'll work too. Yep. Um, you know... It's weird, and I'm still trying to figure out the science behind it, but back in the 80s, there was no internet for us, but how in the heck did we all know? I didn't know you in the 80s. How did we all know to blow into a cartridge? It was never in a book. I never read it. You know what it is? I think that, oof, probably, you know, we're told to dust everything. Mm -hmm. Maybe if we saw it collect dust or something like that. Maybe we thought that there's something that's in there. Um, then, then again, you know, you also have uh, what we call text messaging back then, which was sitting in class and then passing a paper <laughs> yes. uh, over to somebody else, like like a chain yep. gang. And then when it got to you, you would ask a question, like, uh, you know, like I would I would always say to my friend Dave, I would I would write him something and then pass it to my classmate, and then my classmate pass it to my classmate, all the way down to Dave. Dave would write back and then pass it back down to me. And, uh, you know, and basically I one of the questions I remember was how do you, my my cartridge is not working. Is it is it the system or is it the cartridge? And this is what he told me to do. I'm like, oh, OK. And then <laughs> I got to know it. And then that's when I told Anthony about it. Interesting, right? Very, you know, it's the time. Uh, time flies, to be honest with you. That was our internet back then, word of mouth. And also, you know, talking about how I mentioned earlier, uh, where Donkey Kong was originally supposed to be Popeye, this is something else that basically changed the way the gaming history was. Uh, Square Company, now Square Enix, they were getting ready to put out a Final Fantasy game on the N64. But due to the extremely heavy censorship of Nintendo, Square went, forget it, we're not putting your game on N64. We're going to Sony and this new system called the Sony PlayStation because the Sony PlayStation is synonymous with Final Fantasy. Hmm. Wow. Final Fantasy. It's one of those games that I got to say I've never really played. 
Now, I don't know a whole lot about I know of it, but I've never really played it. It's Weird, a good isn't one. It? Well, they got the, the few remakes coming out. So, um, so Nintendo has. You know the joke about that, right? Was what? right in school. If it's called Final Fantasy, why do they keep making more and more parts? Well, none. I, I mean, there are really no. I think there's only two direct sequels. Otherwise, they're oh. all basically like their own store, almost like an anthology. Oh, okay. I see. <laughs> That's um, funny. So you know, with all their pluses and some of their, um, you know, stalls, Nintendo, you survive 130 years. For one reason, because you know what you're doing and you're not afraid to take chances. Exactly. I want to mention a couple of uh, quick things here. Uh, a couple of people commented on our Facebook page, uh, Retro Gamers at Retro Gamers Podcast. Uh, I just want to mention here, uh, Alan, excuse me, Aaron, I apologize, Aaron Elfstrom, because I put up, I'm like, what is some of your memories of the, of the Nintendo? And I, he put, and I quote, I think I got the NES a year after it came out for my birthday or Christmas. I had started with a 2600. And then jump from Atari to the Nintendo was just mind-blowing at the time. Playing wow. Mario, Duck Hunt, for the first time was, shall I say, a life-changing experience. I was bit by the video game bug then and haven't looked back since. I play mostly PC now, but always, always, always come back to the NES still to this day. Absolutely. Uh, and this other guy, Glenn Nataro? I think that's how you pronounce it. I remember getting my first Nintendo back in, I believe, 86 and playing Mario and Kung Fu as the first games I got. Game. Kung Fu was hard. You think so? You ever beat Kung Fu? Yes. I never yes, beat Many a times. I've ne- I don't think I've ever gotten to Mr. X. No, come on. Mr. X is... The, is- He's tough, though. I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> you were about to say easy. <laughs> uh, kind of for me when you figure out the pattern or you figure out the way. Uh, Glenn continues, after playing Atari and in television and seeing this vast environment and colors, I was blown away. Uh, and then our buddy Charles Herbert put a gif of, um, you know, basically Nintendo uh, Mario over his first four years. So um, what is what is your fondest memory of Nintendo? Fondest memory. Wow. Um, any system, about- anything, any game, any movie, television show, anything. I think that one of the fondest memories in the world was, for me, was just missing the time of playing video games with my brother. And uh, of my little, with my little brother. And uh, we would just spend hours, man, just playing Tetris. We were playing... Um, you know, Tecmo World Wrestling. Uh, we were playing Double Dribble. I mean, there's just so many great games throughout the years. Mike Tyson's Punch Out, and and then upgrading it to James Buster Douglas Boxing on the Super Nintendo. Oh man, and then that was a good one. Yeah, and then uh, event. Then they made Evander Holyfield Boxing, in which, by the way, I have Evander Holyfield signed my uh, really my game. That's yep. cool. Uh, Evander actually, I met him uh, at the grind. At work, and uh, he signed it for me. That's you know, cool, and that was really cool. Um, and the other thing was just the years that I spent with my brother playing video games was just amazingly cool for me because it was a time where I really wish I can get back with you know with my brother. And I mean, till this day, we still play video games together. When I ever go, out, I go to his house and we introduce it to my nephews now. But 
I mean, my nephews are, are playing, you know, my one nephew is what, four? Uh, Got to be four, and he's playing, he's already playing with the Switch. You oh, know? That's cool. uh, yeah, which, uh, you know, and he loves his Wii Boxing. <laughs> my brother loves the Wii Boxing because it tires him out. Oh, I'm sure. So then he just sleeps like a like a baby, like he is. You know, so it's great. <laughs> and it's just, it's so cool. I mean, so it's great to see one generation playing it with the next generation. My uncle is a video gamer. My uncle okay. actually, really? uh, is, he has the Famicom. <clears throat> He hmm. still has his Famicom. He still has his Super Famicom because in the 80s, my uncle would always travel to Japan for business. So he has the original Voltron. Um, oh, wow. The car and the lion. Oh, um, yeah. He has the original Optimus Prime. Like he has in a box, by the way, not taken out, mm-hmm. you know. So he has like a lot of Robotech. Uh, but oh, wow. his prized possession is he has a lot of Japanese video gaming consoles. That's consoles cool. And he loves it. I mean, till this day, I mean, my uncle is probably right next to your uncle, Matt. He's probably one of the coolest because he'll sit down and play video games with you, which is really awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. You know? I remember um, even my dad got into gaming. Uh, really? No his, go- his go-to is Dr. Mario on oh, the NES. Yeah. And yeah. Um, uh, surprise, surprise, uh, Desert Strike, War in the Gulf for Super Nintendo. <laughs> so, which he was very good at. <laughs> so um and then just just get you know for christmas i remember i remember getting super mario brothers 2 for christmas and i was just over the moon over the moon for super mario brothers 2 wow actually i remember i like i opened up the christmas gift and it was a lunchbox i was like oh okay thank you you know just you know mm-hmm. and i just happened to open up the lunchbox and super mario brothers 2 was inside Mm-hmm. And uh, and then I re- and then I'll never forget the unveiling in the wonderful hit movie, The Wizard of Super Mario Brothers Three. Yes, and, um, that's right. Still trying to figure out how little Jimmy Woods knew where the warp whistle. No, not no, he didn't know. The girl knew where the warp whistle was on a game that no one ever saw before. Wow, so, crazy! Let me ask you this: You got some issues there, yeah. Nintendo games adopted into movies, okay? Do you think that they the movie world did it any justice? I mean, they're not winning any awards. Or the TV show. Um, you know, Super Mario Brothers, the movie, with Bob Hoskins yeah. and... and uh, right, right. Uh, what's his name? Um, who played Luigi? I don't recall. Was it, was it John Leguizamo? Yes, John Leguizamo. Okay. You know, Bob Hoskins said that was the worst movie he ever made. Wow. <laughs> Good he, he took that to his grave. Um, Wasn't Captain Lou Albano in the in the TV in show the TV Mario? version, yes. That right. was cool. Um but yeah, you know, Nintendo I mean they only really had the one game. Nintendo's very, very protective of their intellectual property. They don't really let them out much. I mean, we're getting a new uh Super Mario Brothers movie, an animated movie through uh DreamWorks, I believe. No, not DreamWorks. Um Illuminations. They may be part of DreamWorks. So I will, gonna, I'll give you. Oh, I'm sorry. Lay. Go yeah. ahead. Go ahead. No, no. I was just gonna say. You know, we're gonna get a new Super Mario Brothers movie. There's always been that rumor of a live Legend of Zelda um, on Netflix. The Castlevania anime on Netflix is amazing. I've heard. I have really heard. Amazing. Check it out. Sure. Um, oh, but uh, I'll I, give you, you know. Hopefully, we'll see one something other, good. Yeah. I'll give you one other memory. 
I remember playing Godzilla, King of the Monsters. <laughs> yes. Well, you play okay. as either Godzilla or Mothra? Right. And my brother played with Godzilla and he literally beat the entire he beat the entire game there you go. before I did and I was so upset. <laughs> and to make to make matters worse, the he now remember, you got to remember this is before internet, this is before photoshopping, before anything like that. Literally, Larry, he he took a picture with my father's camera of the credits <laughs> and showed it to me when I got home. I was That's so funny. angry. It's not unbelievable. That's pretty funny like, actually. Check this out. And they basically, he told my mom to go take uh, to develop the pictures. Yeah. So he, yeah, uh, I was like, ah, oh, man, this is before you could take a picture with your phone, kids. <laughs> um, yeah. So Nintendo very careful of their properties because let's not forget the terrible CDI games, the Mario, the Zelda CDI games. They were just not cool at all. Absolutely. But Nintendo survives. The, the Switch is doing phenomenal. And um, again, 130 years, they're doing something right. On unreal. I mean, I wonder if there's a celebration in Japan for this. Oh, I'm sure there probably was. There probably was. Maybe a small. A 130 right? is not. You know, when you get to 150, then look yeah, out. But definitely. Um, but we'll see. I think they even you can even find the original plaque of where the original building was is still up somewhere. I think. Oh wow! Yeah. So, do you um yeah. do you remember some years ago there was a video game movie uh, about like I forgot what it was called but where the uh, the creator of Pac Man was trying to calm him down and then all of a sudden he tried to attack his maker oh Pixels Pixels yeah yeah did you like that movie I did I thought it was very fun did you I mean yeah, that wasn't a Nintendo based film right no uh, they got some licensing they were able to get because Donkey Kong's in it. It was an Adam Sandler movie and they were able to get the rights to a lot of those games. Uh, but it was fun. You know, I, I, here's what I hate. People like with pixels. Oh, movie was terrible. The acting was terrible. The acting was horrible. This, that, and the other thing. It's not, it's not going to win Oscars. It was never meant to win an Oscar. It's just right. fun to watch. Right. That's right. Exactly. Exactly. And so, there's nothing wrong with that. None no. whatsoever. None whatsoever. So, but I think we're going to get ready to wrap this one up for, you know, the Retro Gamers has always been accused of being Nintendo heavy. And this was a Nintendo episode of <laughs> the uh, the celebration that is Nintendo. We still want to hear from you. What is some of your wonderful, wonderful moments, wonderful memories of the Nintendo Entertainment System? Any iteration, again, movies, television, music, anything like that. And, um... And thank you very much for joining us this week. Hey, thank you so much for having me, man. I really appreciate it. And I really want to say thank you so much to all the uh, Retro Gamer listeners out there, the watchers out there. You guys are some awesome fans. Uh, as I listen to this show every week myself, I'm telling you, it, it is just every time that I think that you guys are doing an amazing show, you always prove that the next episode is even better. Yeah, it's uh, thank you. I appreciate those kind words. And one more time, let them know where they can find the Yin and the Yang podcast. Yin and the Yang podcast every Friday, ladies and gentlemen. You can find it on Spreaker, which is our home base. You can find it practically everywhere you can find podcasts. Just type in the Yin and the Yang podcast. And please follow us, like us, uh, spread the word about it on Facebook. Just go to the search. Uh, the Yin and, just type in the Yin and the Yang podcast. We are there. 
And hey, we we are more than glad to take any questions. If you guys want to talk about any questions about any video games that involve martial arts or sports or anything like that, you can always email us at yin and yang podcast at gmail.com. Once again, that's yin and yang podcast at gmail.com. Awesome. And uh, hopefully we'll have, I mean, as much as we love Anthony Chu on the show this week, but with everything happening again, Anthony uh, Rippo recovering wonderfully. Hope to have him back here next week. Get well, brother. Absolutely, brother. And everybody, we will catch you right here next week on the Retro Gamers Podcast. Check out Macy's Cyber Monday specials now while supplies last for great savings on holiday gift ideas like designer names you know they'll love. Now 40 to 60% off. And women's boots and shoes to finish the look 50 to 60% off. And upgrade your bedroom for cooler nights with cozy flannel bedding quilts and accessories from Martha Stewart Collection. Now 65% off. Plus, Macy's Star Rewards members earn on every purchase except gift cards, services, and fees. Savings off sale and clearance prices. Exclusions apply. Check out Macy's Cyber Monday specials now while supplies last for great savings on holiday gift ideas like designer names you know they'll love. Now 40 to 60% off. And women's boots and shoes to finish the look 50 to 60% off. And upgrade your bedroom for cooler nights with cozy flannel bedding quilts and accessories from Martha Stewart Collection. Now 65% off. Plus, Macy's Star Rewards members earn on every purchase except gift cards, services, and fees. Savings off sale and clearance prices. Exclusions apply.